everyone. Welcome to Chit Chat Connoisseur, a Hey Alicia podcast. You can subscribe and listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor FM. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Chit Chat Connoisseur. Uh, welcome back. We are so excited for today's guest. And when I tell you so excited, I mean, I know I always say I'm excited, but like I'm really excited for today's guest. Um, we have tried to connect. It has been a journey, but it's because we're so busy and she's so busy doing so, ama- so many amazing things. But I want everyone to get excited and give a round in your car or however you listen to Pranu Kumar, who's the owner of Rohi's Readery. Pranu, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here mm-hmm. and finally connect. <laughs> I know. I know. It's it's funny. So we, we've had to reschedule again. I've, I've, life has been very crazy for me in a, in great ways and same with you. I mean, you just have so much going on. Um, and you know, you're just, everything is just going so good, you know, and, and, um, you just have a lot of activities and things going on. So today we're going to get into really just talking about, you know, children and young adults and how we can inspire them to get involved in social justice causes to, you know, appreciate the diversity around them to embrace diversity and just, you know, all of these things that sometimes these topics I find can be taboo and people just like, don't want to talk about it. And it's very like, Oh, you know, I don't want to get involved, but Tell us, uh, you know, we're actually, no, we'll get into it. I'm going to start with a life hack before we get into it because we're going to totally dive in. So before we get into the amazing things that Pranu is doing, I want to talk to you guys about something really serious. I'm just kidding. It's a life hack about wine. Um, (laughs) I know. I was like, she's going to appreciate this. I'm like, who doesn't appreciate wine? So it's just, yeah, it's just random things. So my, it's funny. My dad actually is a big like wine person. He has his like nice wooden wine coolers with all the different types. He has aerators and decanters and all this fancy stuff that I cannot pronounce. Um, me personally, I just drink a good wine and if it's good, I like it. I'm not super picky about stuff, but something that I have been doing though is, um, like wine ice cubes. So in (laughs) your face, like, wait, (laughs) like what even is that? Yeah. So just like wine ice cubes. So I like to cook with wine. So when you're cooking, like, let's say a bolognese, like I love to cook like a good, like turkey bolognese and you let it simmer in the pot and you have, uh, you know, all of your seasonings and your cut your tomatoes and all that. And your sauce is, you know, your sauce. Um, I like to put, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So I like to put wine in it. And something that I discovered the other day was literally putting, getting like an ice tray and putting um, like half of it red wine, the other half like white wine and just sticking it in the freezer. And when you're ready to cook, you just plop it in there. I know. I just, I know. Sometimes I hear these things or I see these things and I'm like, I, I'm not breathing properly, apparently, because because there's so many things that I'm like, I didn't even think I, I'm not creative. I guess I'm just not creative. So, you know, are just in so many other ways, in different ways, (laughs) in different ways. So for those of you who are like cookers and like to have wine and cook with wine, it's such a great life hack to like use it to cook. Um, again, turkey bolognese, or if you're someone that's making like a dish that requires a little white wine or something like that, it's like already there. You just take it out of the refrigerator, pop it out, and put it in the pan. Ah, it's a right amount. I know. It's just I, I can't. It's just like, ah. anyway. Well, I just changed your life. We're ending now, guys. Bye. See you later. <laughs> that, that, that's exactly so that's my random life hack um but yeah so I just thought I would share that randomness with you I'm actually going out of town um for the next next few days and I'm super excited and I'm gonna have a lot of wine so there's that cheers to that so anyway (laughs) let's get into Rohi's Readery tell the folks tell the peoples what it is where it is what it's about learn us Yeah, so Rohi's Readery is a social justice-driven children's bookstore and learning center uh, in downtown West Palm in City Place, uh, formerly City Place, now Rosemary Square. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is committed a space that is 
committed to accessibility, inclusivity, empowerment, and really honoring um, those who came before us and have done the work. I, I would be remiss if I didn't even start out with saying that this space is in honor of the ancestors and the descendants and um, those who have you know, fought for my life, fought for, you know, indirectly and directly, but it's a space that is really meant to serve um, honoring all different types of historically marginalized communities, um, mm -hmm. whether it is Black, Indigenous, um, Asian, Latinx, um, Arab, Pacific Islander, um, the LGBTQIA plus community, the neurodiverse community, disability community. Um, all of the books in here are really reflective of everyday joyful experiences of these communities, um, but then also ensuring that we're creating opportunities for empowerment for our children to see themselves and also get a peek into the other um, uh, stories that may not represent them. So really providing windows and mirrors, but um, this space is really collectively um, a space that is based on the, the fight and the hard work that people before me have, have done. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just so grateful that I'm able to have a space to be open and free to talk about these much needed issues around social justice, starting with our littlest ones. Mm -hmm. Which is yeah. amazing. And it, it's something that, um, I really, I, I think it's so important growing up. I mean, I, I grew up in a family of immigrants, you know, I'm a daughter of an immigrant and I, you know, so often I feel I grew up around so many different types of people and had an environment that was very inclusive. And, you know, my family's from the Caribbean, there's brown, black, white. I mean, you just have so many different types of people. So I just kind of grew up like that. And I just grew up being very um, inclusive and wanting to create, you know, curate a space of culture and community. And, and I carry that in my life. Right. But I always found it so surprising when you meet someone and they're, you know, you meet someone in college or you meet someone as you get older in corporate life and working and they just, they really have not been around diversity or had any exposure to talking about social justice causes or culture. And, and it's always so shocking to me. And then I've had to realize, well, you have been privileged enough to be around these environments, but it is something so shocking that people, you know, even how important it is to instill that in children because it carries on with them. Right. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And that is really one of the reasons why Rohi's Readery came to fruition. It's really, I feel like, been manifesting itself for a long time. I was born in India and moved to the Deep South. I moved to Texas with my family when I was young, and it was already a bit of a culture shock. Then it's just my mom, my dad, and myself living in a community where my family and in our culture is is multi-generational it's caregiving and caretaking so when you're living in india it's like aunties uncles everywhere okay. it's you're walking down the market to the market or to the street down the street with with like cousins or you know anyone who everyone is considered family like any adult that tells you what to do you need to listen that's basically. right <laughs> yeah and, and so moving here and then um the school experience just was not inclusive. It was oppressive. I didn't see myself in books. I didn't see myself in curriculum. Um, my family was constantly kept out of conversations because of stereotypes of they don't speak English or they don't um, they don't know what is actually happening in the school space or you know they also went through their own professional um, experiences of racism and so uh, I think a lot of my experiences growing up in, in that lack of identity formation. And, you know, as an immigrant, my family, and I will never fault them for this, it's in the 80s, and they're just trying to ensure that we are doing our best and staying safe. So it was all about assimilating, like, mm. find a way, find the way, like, keep your head down. Do not get us into trouble. Oh, do yeah. not do anything. What so. an immigrant, what like a common immigrant story. Like yeah. it, it's just like such a common thread yeah. that ties immigrants together, no matter what country, yeah. anything. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And, and you, you don't realize it until you're older about sort of the moves that you make as you get older and how it was 
triggered or started by something that you experienced growing up. And that was something that it didn't, it took me until moving to New York where I was surrounded by, and was given the gift of teaching and surrounded by these beautiful communities who were just so embracing of their culture, identity, taking care of each other. And I felt such a connection to it, but growing up even in college, had a hard time talking about who I was and feeling proud of who I was. And I think that has to do with not seeing yourself in spaces, whether it's in a book or it's at a store, you name it. Um, whether it's your name being different, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I think those are all experiences that have brought me to having Rohi's Riri, where no matter who you are, what, where you're from, you know that these conversations are essential for all of us to grow together. Sure. So with the readery, what types of, um, you know, events or classes are you having, particularly in this case with, with the children and with kids? Yeah. No. So all of the programming, um, educational programming is free at Rohi's Readery. That's really the mission mm -hmm. um, in ties to accessibility. So we have all different types of classes. One of the biggest things for me was building community. I don't want people to see this as a retail space or a bookstore. I want people to hopefully come in and see that they can just sit, be, feel. You can pick up a book. You don't have to pick up a book at all. You can play with the puppet. You could sit in the corner and just breathe, whatever it is. Um, but really the idea of the programming is to tie authentic experiences with quality educational um, literacy choices. So for example, um, Project Flourish with Alicia, um, she does a beautiful job of these um, amazing cooking classes that are really built upon understanding ancestry and our history. Mm -hmm. and, and then there's an opportunity to then share a book in the readery that'll connect kids to that learning. Um, we've had um, Dreyfus, high school dance team, bless you, um, Thank the, you. <laughs> yeah, the, the dance team, uh, they provide free monthly dance classes. And then we tie that with an inclusive piece of literature. We've done, um, we're actually doing a uh, flower garland making class for kids in, wow. ties, yeah, in ties with Diwali coming up. Yes. And then we'll be reading a book about Diwali. So it's just really about getting kids to come inside, love books, but tie the experience of being here with the love of reading too. So mm -hmm. we have all different types of classes. We have partnerships with the Kravitz Center, um, with the Garden Shop, Literacy Coalition, Quantum House. So it's just really making it um, a space to love reading and get active while you're at it. Yeah, while you're at it, which is so, it's funny. So growing up, I'm a big reader and growing up, that was almost in a way, almost like my escape from like when, you know, you just want to like escape into something and escape into a story. And mm -hmm. I, I love to read. And I think that's probably why it ties with like loving to read. And I like to talk and I like to, you know, just like learn about different things. And, um, I find that reading provides such an incredible impact and value to someone. And you can take that with you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And I, it's funny, like growing up, I went to, I went to a middle school that was in a predominantly white area. Um, and it was, it was a magnet school. So I was, you know, like bust in or whatever. And it's, um, great school, great experiences. It's where I met one of our mutual friends, you know, at school, but oftentimes because of the teachers that we had at that school, the majority of them were white, the majority of them were Jewish. So mm -hmm. a lot of the reading and material that we had and were assigned to were, you know, stories about the Holocaust and stories about, you know, like the Jewish history and things like that, which is amazing. And it's something that I will carry with me. I mean, I have a signed book from, you know, a Holocaust survivor. Like those are things that I will carry with me forever. And, and their experiences that now I'm so compassionate about empathetic towards. Right. But it's something that it wasn't until I got to high school and I had a teacher my senior year at that of high school. And I had a teacher and we had more diverse teachers in high school, but I had a teacher who, um, you know, went to an HBCU and mm -hmm. learned about, you know, you know, 
more than just slavery. Like black people are more than just slavery. We are more than just the struggle in this country. We come from Africa. We were Kings and Queens. And he would talk to us, you know, in class about these things and assign us reading material that taught us all of these things. And you're kind of like, like mind blown because I'm like, I mean, you kind of know this, but, but so much of what we read in the curriculum, like you said, in school, you don't see stuff. And then when you see things that, that, oh, wow, that person looks like me, but they're in chains. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't see anything prior to that. You don't see any of the accomplishments. So it's, it's to me, that's, I think why I resonate so much is because I'm like, yes, like these are things that kids need to be reading and learning about. And it's more than just, unfortunately, what schools teach. So this is a great outlet right? So no, and to your point of that, I think one of the biggest things about Rohi's readery is that it's not just meant for kids. It's meant for adults everyone. just as much. Yeah. Everyone, because I have adults coming in who are asking for resources, but beyond resources are, are, are engaging in conversation. And that's like one of the biggest pieces too, of this space is thinking about, okay, It's one thing to pick up a book and then say, great, I've done my job. I've checked the box. I have a book about X, Y, and Z. But we actually, if we don't provide the resources and the conversation in conjunction with that, we can actually cause more trauma and harm to children. So it's both too. So it's really, um, it's, it's, it's really nice to see adults coming in here too and either sharing in their past experiences of not seeing themselves um, and, and connecting, building community off of what we hope for our future generations. And then also having, I've had so many educators that have come in and have said, I want to do more. I need to do more. There's adult reads in here too. And um, and, and also having the opportunity with Rohi's Readery to do community outreach, I've been able to go into schools um, because prior to this, I was doing education consulting and around DEIA work. And one of the biggest things was I'm very passionate about the adult training that's occurring and about, um, and about- Or lack thereof. Or lack lack thereof. Lack thereof. (laughs) And then also the demographics of your teachers, because if you have- You can have all of this DEIA training, but if you do not have a diverse group of teachers and leadership, then that means nothing to me because, you know, there's no opportunity for kids to see themselves. And then two, you're not actually, you're, it's quite performative if you're not actually doing the work and saying, let's actually dismantle whatever hiring systems that we're having that are strategically keeping people of color out and people of historically marginalized communities out because we have this ideal vision of what a great teacher is or what a great professional is. And let's actually do the work. And unfortunately, doing the work for people also means getting messy and people aren't they don't want to get messy. They don't want to get uncomfortable. Like it's, I was having this conversation with someone the other day and I'm like, it's so hard for people when you challenge them with an idea, especially when it comes to DIA, when it comes to racism, when it comes, when you challenge someone with that and you make them uncomfortable, they all, it's like, they lash out at not everyone, but a lot of people lash out because it's like, you have now made me uncomfortable. I don't know how to have this conversation. And that's part of like, for me, I'm like, good, get uncomfortable. I'm yeah. a little bit more like, you know, volatile, like, assalamu alaikum. I'm like, yeah. get uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> I'm, literally, I'm like, get uncomfortable. Let's have this yes, conversation. But some it. people, they just, to have the conversation probably gives them hives and they just yes. like, they don't want to deal with it. And I'm like, nothing yes. will ever change if you don't get uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely. And then if we're not doing that with our babies, then our babies are going to grow mm. up being the same way, right? Yeah. Like, I think one of the best things about, um, the experience of teaching is having this opportunity, especially with our littlest ones, to to create opportunities of cultivating curiosity. So when our kids are asking questions, the same questions that adults are asking, or not even asking or afraid to ask, our littlest ones are right there, purest form of humanity, wanting to ask the questions. We have to do the work as adults if we're going to be able to facilitate those kinds of conversations for our littlest ones. Because our kids have questions, they see the world around them. And if they don't, it's also up to us to, to, to engage in those kinds of conversations so they don't get uncomfortable as they get to be adults. Like right now, um, 
I think about my kindergarten classrooms and uh, specifically in, in Seattle. And, you know, we had uh, this circle time that was, you know, reflective of um, indigenous practices. So we pay honor and respect to that, to that practice. And it was around social emotional learning, but it was really about being culturally responsive. And so our children were, were, um, were over 95% of our children spoke at least two languages, mm-hmm. um, Ethiopia, Eritrea, Somalia, Mexico, um, uh, Bosnia, you name it all over. And so there were so many opportunities for our babies to ask each other questions. And it was such a beautiful thing to see our kids not being afraid to ask each other questions about things that are very relevant and to also come to the classroom and say, what, what does this mean? Someone just said this to me, what does that mean? And engage in those kinds of conversations. Um, and that's, that's one thing that I think books have the power to do. Yeah. If you don't know, have an answer, great. As an adult, I can read one of these books, I can do my research, and then I can actually learn from this book and be able to share knowledge with others. Mm-hmm. So I'm completely on board with that. Just, you have to get uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I, so you're right now in a space where, you know, people are not used to seeing probably the name Rohi and mm-hmm. Riri on, on a banner and on a sign and on a marquee, right? How has that been a challenge for you as a, you know, a business owner and as a part of this journey of like spreading the word, you know, like how, how is that a challenge? Like, how do you face that adversity when it's, when you're saying, okay, I'm not your typical bookstore. My, you know, what we're doing is this, right. I'm not your typical space. We're doing that. Right. Yeah. I think one of the things, uh, that the name holds is people want to know what or who Rohi is And that piece right there is really what carries so much power because Mm -hmm. Rohi stands for Rohini and Rohini was my Annama, um, grandmother in Hindi, who's actually in this like picture right there. I see. Looking like a boss. Uh, My grandpa's just like here for it. But she was an education activist in India. So she fought for children's rights, especially with the caste system. And she was also, um, she also fought for the emancipation of women's rights at a time where women really were, and still to this day, at some point are told to keep your mouth closed and how dare you go on the front lines. Even her own family told her, you know, what are you doing? Um, But she was someone who, was also a mentee to freedom fighter Sarojini Naidu, who was um, coined the Nightingale of India because of her activism in feminist work and also her poetic work. So there's just so many pieces of activism within the context of literacy, um, but also just knowing that this was someone in my family who was so unapologetic at a time where she could have lost her life Mm -hmm. um her work so that right there when I when I share when people ask me who is Rowie or they think that's me I say that it's my grandmother it's also my daughter no pressure um (laughs) big shoes big shoes um but she'll hear this one day (laughs) um but it really that's my way of always remembering honoring remembering honoring those who came before me And then when I think of readery, I just think of a space, um, once again, that's just about building community. I know that oftentimes it's also like when I say Rohi's readery or when someone says it, you know, there's also those microaggressions of what is Rohi or like, how do you even say like, you know, you hear some of those comments and that sometimes can be a little bit triggering, um, Hmm. you know, but it it sort of always makes me think then this is why we're doing the work, right? This is exactly- Ties it back. Exactly. It just like goes full circle. So Mm -hmm. there are, there have been challenges. I have gotten pushback, whether it's online, in person, you name it, but I refuse to to be silent or complicit uh, to, to what people are, you know, want us to 
to, to do because this space, um, our babies deserve spaces that are sacred for them. So that's right. I agree. I think it's funny people, again, you know, we talked about when people get uncomfortable, they lash out because they just don't know what to do with that emotion. They don't know what to do with that, that just discomfort and that energy. They're like, well, I'm just going to lash out and make it worse. But it's like you said, you know, sometimes it, it, it almost, I guess, I mean, and and not putting words in your mouth, but I feel like it would probably light a fire within you to, to like continue the work and, and continue moving forward with your purpose. Um, and so do you think, you know, it seems like you come from a background of, of activism and fighting for just causes and inclusivity for all people. Do you think that, you know, I mean, I would assume that this school has, or not this school, sorry, I keep referring to this school. Thank you. Cause I'm like, she's a teacher, but do you like, I would think, I mean, how has the reading really readery really impacted or just made a profound impact on your purpose? Like what you think your personal purposes in life? How has it made an impact? Do you want to do more? Do you want to keep here? Like, what do you want to do? Honestly, I am just so grateful for this opportunity. Mm -hmm. I, there are times where people ask me, what do you, where do you see yourself in five years? Do you see multiple readers? And I just keep thinking like, I could, I could think that way, but I am just so grateful for every single day and every single moment because it allows me to be fully present with Mm. the people that I meet, the community that's been made. I moved here a year and a half ago and then the pandemic hit, Hmm. um, COVID pandemic. And then, uh, and then I was pregnant and, you know, it was really hard finding people, building community. And then this space, when it opened up three months ago has given me more love and hope and just a reinvigoration that I could have ever imagined. And so that right there, just, it makes me so grateful just for the space. And then in terms of my purpose, like I, if you had asked me many years ago, if I, if I would have been a teacher, I would have never thought in a million years. Um, I changed careers from medicine to education, but in in that time, yeah, I worked in nonprofit work, got laid off during the recession and moved to New York and worked four part-time jobs. Like I worked at Papyrus, the card shop. Oh my God. Papyrus was in every single mall that I would go to. There was a Papyrus store. What a time. Yes, what a time. We're aging ourselves. We're like (laughs) Papyrus Limited 2. You remember those? Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Don't start me on Limited 2. Because I feel like sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have kept some of that stuff. Like it is back and now it's in like urban. I don't even know. Like what's happening? I I don't know. Hashtag also. Also. Yes. all of it. So, um, but I was working all like part-time jobs, trying to figure everything out. Teaching was the greatest gift. Teaching also opened my eyes to my own identity. It saved my life, quite frankly, because I struggled with a lot of mental health and still do to this day. I'm still working on it as an active process. I keep, I always say like happiness is, um, is a muscle that I'm constantly working at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that just like happens freely for me. And so, um, teaching though really did save my life. And, you know, I also realized the struggles and the hardships of being an educator of color mm. in spaces. Um, it was very hard to move up in leadership. Um, it, you were tokenized oftentimes. You were sort of put as the one who could handle it all and, and do it all. And so you'll see even in statistics, like there is a large discrepancy in the net, well, one, that number of educators of color in America, but then two, how many actually stay without feeling the burnout of isolation and all of these things. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. all of it. And, I, and, and that goes for, I think, many employment career spaces. And so, you know, leaving there, and I say all of this because leaving there and then starting my own education consulting, I was really committed to women of color in ed leadership spaces, retention and representation. But even then, I often found myself saying like, these are all the things I feel really passionate about consulting. And then oftentimes people wanting the statement, but without like, 
once again, getting messy, getting messy. So then you feel even more frustrated because you're doing this work. And then it's like, wait, you're, I thought you actually valued my, what I am bringing. And so I think of this readery because this is the first time that I've been able to be completely 1000% unapologetic in my truth. Mm. And I want that to be something for my daughter to see. And Mm -hmm. I want that to be something that I can continuously live um, and still go through the struggles of it. But this place has given me purpose in knowing that like I am enough Mm -hmm. and, and what I have felt passionate about and continue to make mistakes around like it's okay because I get to still be myself at the end of the day and not have to, um, to, to go up against these walls and barriers that have, that have intentionally kept me out. So I know that was a long statement, but I just, no, no, it's, I I think it's, it's very poignant. And I think, um, and thank you for sharing that. I think oftentimes people, I like I always say this this podcast is it's a chit chat, really, right? And it could be about so many different topics, but one common thread in each episode is the journey. I mean, we have some randoms here and there where we just like get balls out and get crazy and have fun, you know. <laughs> but, but for the most part, I really I love to talk to people who are, you know, have gone through a spiritual journey, entrepreneurship journey, a personal journey, I mean, motherhood journey, just like there's so many different journeys. And I think that that's a big part of it. Like, and you said something, I am enough, you know, and, and through having in having this space, you're kind of figuring out, you know, like, like the passions and, and the happiness and all that kind of comes with just continuing every day to just wake up and be yourself and just keep it moving and keep it moving. And I think that's so important. I think oftentimes people get stuck in this space. Um, this is now turned into to like an Oprah um, own session, guys. I'm sorry if you weren't here for that. This is what's happening. But but I just, <laughs> what is it? Super, super soul Sunday. So cool. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. Actually, I might, because I have tons of books. I think I have a book that an old boss, I'm looking at the bookshelf, but I think it's on this side, but I have a book that an old boss gave me and it was literally like Oprah, super soul Sundays. And it's like all the different quotes and just oh. a bunch of different things. And I like teared up when I got it. It was like a Christmas gift or secret Santa or something, but you know, my love for Oprah is real guys. Anyway. So <laughs> my I point in all that, I, I know, know. <laughs> Oprah, I, I honestly, after we're done with this, I'm going to share with you. It's, it's either yeah. on this bookshelf or it's in the other, in the, in the other room, but, but yeah, but it's, um, to me, it's just, again, like finding your purpose. I, and you, sometimes you'll ask people that are just grown, like, you know, what's your purpose? What, and they don't know, you know, and, and I, and that, and I'm not saying anything. I mean, that's not easy to, to find out yeah. what it is that you want. And the, the fact that you've kind of landed in this space for now, and you're like day by day is amazing. It's amazing. Uh, and it's you. impactful. It's not, you know, some people have a purpose that's not impactful, but it's impactful. <laughs> so uh, thank you. Yeah. So here. I would say, so again, someone, you know, like us, we, you know, immigrants, daughters of immigrants. I mean, how do you talk to someone or what would be your advice for a parent, let's say that maybe they haven't come from the most diverse space, or maybe they haven't come from uh, an environment where they can openly talk about some, you know, social justice issues and, you know, advocating for people who are marginalized, maybe they can't, or maybe they have, but they're now, you know, raising their children in an environment where those conversations don't really happen. And they're not really supported by the educators around their kids. What advice would you give to parents that, you know, really want to expose their children to diversity and to what's really going on in the world? Yeah, I think one of the things I would say is first asking, because your children end up spending more time at school and in Mm. educational spaces than they do anywhere else. So true. So as, as a family member, community member, you have every right to advocate and ask what is being taught in the classroom, what type of learning is happening, what curriculum is being, or the children being exposed to, Um, you know, I think those are really great questions to, to start with. So that one, you can become more knowledgeable about what is actually being represented in the classroom or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on top of that, you know, there are obviously there's, there's books, there's resources, there's an abundance of information online, 
But I think one of the best ways also is, is building authentic community. So yes, you can have a, uh, a shelf full of diverse books, but are you coming out to the community events? Are you exposing your child to Diwali? Are you exposing mm. your child to Carnival? Like, are you, mm-hmm. you know, um, giving your kids opportunities to see what it's like for urban farming? You know, those, I think, experiential opportunities of learning. Are you, you know, uh, exposing your children to diverse spaces where kids can be authentically learning about, you know, either the culture, the food, the community, because I think those are the places where we learn most, especially children is through experiential learning. So, you know, I've had kids who've come in here or, and, and family members who have come in here and, you know, they, they pull out books, you know, uh, of, of a specific topic that they're interested in, like sharing with their child. And then they'll come up to me and they'll ask me more information or how would you suggest that I have this conversation with my child? And, and I, I appreciate that because I want them to know that this is a place, there is a resource hub here. There is a space for learning. There are people who are actually doing this work, um, who are representative of, the work that they're actually sure caring to, um, sure. <laughs> and, and they're putting their resources in our resource hub. So I think it's a combination of, yes, uh, obviously I'm here for the books, but I'm also here for the human connection too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and also being intentional without there's like, there's a way around uh, a way about learning without having someone just feed you information. And like preaching, like, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Cause mm-hmm. communities are also tired of having to teach. <laughs> um, and so, Listen. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, sometimes uh, I'm like, I just sit back and I'm like, I don't think I have energy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just don't have the energy as you, as you should, like, yeah. Yeah. you know? Um, and so, but I, I do think for, for families, uh, with children, the best place or not the best, but one of the first places to start is don't be afraid to ask your school, your teachers, you know, what are you doing? Can I see what's happening for the year? Can, are there resources that you have for me that are connected to my child's learning at home or at school? Um, Do you have a list of books? Because we should also be doing right by our educators and ensuring that we're training them properly too. Well, I was actually thinking too, and this is like total, not really a sidebar, but so there's been in this country, um, large debate, some, some uh, movement towards changing policies on teaching critical race theory, like Mm -hmm. in schools. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I know how I feel about it. (laughs) That's for sure. You know how I feel. (laughs) I know how you feel about it, but I guess my thing is like, what, what do you do? Like, what do you do when you're in a state or a school system mm-hmm. or whatever, where it's like, it is literally banned and, and, yeah. and the teachers will get in trouble if they're not like what, yes, there are resources yeah. like yours, but like, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've actually, I talked to a family actually, um, about this last weekend mm-hmm. and because the dad was like, I wish you could see the information that my child has come in home in their folder each day and how inaccurate it is, hmm. how upset I am about this. And, and I'm not, I will never tell someone like, well, then you need to change this. Like, I don't have the right to do that. And sure. I don't know what circumstances, what, you know, you know, I also know the whole zoning of school. It's all, yeah, it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's a whole thing. Right. So all I can do is say, is say you teach what you teach the truth. Sure. <laughs> it's just the truth. It's the, it's truth. the truth. It, girl, it's you better say it again. Truth. It is it literally is, the, truth. the truth. I'm like, how are we banning like the truth? Like, yeah, I don't understand how you're literally trying. It's like, it's, yeah. it's, what's, what is that book? Is it Fahrenheit? Uh, I think I read it in high school, maybe or middle school. 451, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, and it just reminds me about it. Just like, you know, there were certain books you couldn't read, you know, like oh, the whole yeah, banned books. Yeah. Banned books. Oh, like, I'm like, yeah. it's literally banned. Like, we're not teaching history. Oh, yeah. And I already feel like there was such a disconnect. I mean, from, you know, I don't want to age myself because I, <laughs> my, my, you know, spiritual 
twenties, early twenties, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah. but, uh, not really. So, yeah. <laughs> But what I'm saying hey, yeah. <laughs> is that, and even for like me going to school, there were things now that I'm like, they didn't teach us that. I'm like, yeah. that didn't actually oh, yeah. happen. I'm like, did they, they said that George Bush, uh, George Bush could grieve. I mean, yeah. that's sad, but George Washington had wooden teeth. And then you find out it wasn't wooden teeth and yeah. you find out, like all these other things. And I'm like, they lied. You know, yeah. and that's what they you're lied. literally as, as like from being a, a, you know, a kid in kindergarten until you're yeah. in high school and even in college, like this yeah. is what we're learning. And that's my generation. I can't even imagine if you start to put these rules and policies and all in place where teachers cannot teach the truth, it, oh, it's yeah. going to, everything's going to be so like washed and like, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, absolutely terrible. Yeah. And then, but, it, but then there's this other piece, right. Where there are schools that, uh, or there are, I'm not saying a large group, but there are educators who would rather not get uncomfortable and in the nitty gritty of these conversations, That's right. too, because then it requires more work. It requires possibly not knowing it mm. requires and okay, so I don't know, you don't, the child doesn't know, let's learn together. Let's learn like, together. Let's mm. learn together, right? But, um, oh, but yeah, I, I've had that question asked to me, you know, what do you do? And yeah, I, and it's so interesting because I remember at one point, I, I was getting a lot of comments, especially with the banned books uh, in York County. And when you looked at the list, uh, it was over 90% of the books that were on that list that were banned in their school district were in the readery. Mm. And, and, mm. It, and, and I was getting comments like, oh my goodness, I saw the list. Like books like that are called All Are Welcome. Eyes That Kiss in the Corner. Like these beautiful books, The Name Jar. These the beautiful, beautiful books. Yeah. Beautiful books. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a matter of, okay, if your school is banning this, then my hope is that you will, or is teaching inaccurate information is that you will go home and you will tell your child, this isn't the truth. Yeah. This yeah. Truth. Let's learn more together. Here's some books that we can read together. Let me actually show you what is accurate. What is, um, building community and building inclusivity, because that's really hard for our kids too to have these contradictory things happening where, you know, you're in a classroom and you're supposed to build community, but then you're not allowed to learn about your community. It's all doesn't make sense. <laughs> make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say plain and simple, tell your kids it's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's funny for someone like me. I mean, you know, I have no problem like yeah, saying yeah, like yeah, that, but I know can. that for, yeah. for some people it might just be uncomfortable, but you know, my hope is platforms, you know, like this and, and, and spaces like the reader. I mean, people really are feel comfortable in getting uncomfortable and start to say, let's really talk about the truth. That is my only hope. And I do have hope. I really do for like yeah. our generation. I feel like I always say like the young people will change the world. Like sure. They eat, you know, Tide Pods and they're on TikTok all day, but you know what? Like they're young people will change the world. I yeah. really believe so. I feel like they stand up against injustice and are more progressive and forward thinking. And I, that, that is my true hope is that. Oh, yeah. You know, that's all I, I can agree. Hope. I mm -hmm. agree. And they're not afraid to have the conversations. They're not. They're not. They're not they're, I mean, I grew up in a space where, I mean, growing up, we talked about stuff. I mean, I mean, that's just how I grew up. And I, and I, I mean, I think I'm an outspoken person naturally, like by, you know, by mm -hmm. nature. So for me talking about these things is, is, it's just second nature to me. Whereas with other people are like Alicia and I'm like, well, why are we afraid to talk about that? Right. And that that's just not even with this topic, anything. That's probably why I started yeah. a, a podcast is because yeah. I was like, well, let's talk about this let's stuff. Why, about yeah. I'm like, why are we talking about it? Let's talk about it. Like, why are we so like, you know, in the corner and not saying anything? It's, it's not it, like, not yes, there's certain things that might be taboo, but certain things I'm like, why is that taboo? Why are we right. like afraid to have these conversations? It's leading to now so much reckoning and like discourse because people are starting to realize like wow we really need to talk about this like we're a little bit uncivilized and like oh, yeah. we need to get together we're perpetuating, <laughs> we're perpetuating yes. this when we're not talking about it with yeah. our kids yes it's uncomfortable to to say it's it's hard right because 
traditionally, like even I grew up thinking school systems and these spaces were considered safe. And then you get older and you're like, wait, schools were not traditionally meant for people of color. So there's a lot of <laughs> you're like, so there. there's that. There's <laughs> that. But also what? Like, oh, now I understand why all these things are why why my parents never showed up to these events because they were mm. never told. like all yeah. of these things. And so my biggest fear is that our kids are going to grow up and then they're going to be like, wait, my mom didn't tell me this. My teacher didn't tell me this. And like, yes, it's, it's hard to say you should feel safe in this space. They're teaching you wrong information, but like our babies, once again, they, they deserve to know the the truth. Damn Um, right. I agree. Well, I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy that we're having this conversation. Um, I just rifle off a few, like, but, um, but what if, and then I'm also just everyone listening, my chit chat friends, I'm going to include, um, some books that, um, Pranu has, you know, recommended, um, for, for kids, for adults, just things that make you think, uh, things that are just also inspiring. Not every book has to be heavy. Like, I mean, so a lot of these books are actually, so you close it and you get such like a warm and fuzzy feeling. Like it's, nice it's just joy yes joy joy. so that's why you know if you can just rifle off a couple that just spark joy and that are great and then she's gonna give me more y'all don't worry and I'm gonna include it in the episode notes too oh my gosh so I'm already just like looking around my looking (laughs) Uh, oh my gosh so I love Bindu's Bindi's Mm -hmm. um it's about this relationship with Anani uh and in her grandchild and I love that book one because it uh, represents my culture. That's right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But also because it's one of the first books that I saw that um, has the grandmother uh, in any sense uh, called Nani. And that's what my daughter will one day, well, she does call her um, Nani G when she can make full words. She's 11 months. (laughs) Um, But that actually, that book was like one of the first books where I, felt like I saw myself, um, as a 36 year old seeing myself, like, wow, that's, that's my grandma. Like that's my daughter. Like that was one of the first experiences. Um, so I love, love, love that book. Um, I also love ambitious girl by Mina Harris. Ah, Mina, don't even me. I I live. She's phenomenal. I live. Uh, Yes. Phenomenal. Yes. I live for Mina. That Mm -hmm. book. Um, I was channeling some real energy the other day from (laughs) some experiences that I was having in the readery, Uh um, some foul experiences. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I sat down and I read that book, ambitious girl. And I, it like, it was like, you know what all is well, let me channel energy into writing just like Mina did. Yeah. Um, so I love that book. Another book I would say is Boogie Boogie Y'all. It mm-hmm. is such a great book. It's um about uh just the culture and history of the Bronx. Um love that. Boogie it, Down it, Bronx. Beautiful flows and um but it it like the illustrations are beautiful mm-hmm. and um it's representative of just like the color and vibrance of the of the Bronx but it's showing you how like um, society doesn't see like the graffiti and the art and all of these things that make the Bronx so beautiful. So special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And how society has like deemed certain things that are considered successful or beautiful. So it's something that you can take into any space. Um, I would say one, one more, if I could do one more book, sure, would, sure. Um, so many, but, um, I love my rainbow. So it is a, a based on a true story about a young transgender girl who has mm-hmm. autism and just her experience of, um, she ends up wanting like long, beautiful hair. And, you know, obviously we talk about like all different body types, all different looks and how everyone is considered beautiful. But also there is something to be said when someone says that they want something and they love something about themselves or what they want to have the opportunity to have that. So uh, it's this story about how she and her family comes together and they make this like beautiful rainbow wig mm. for her. And um, it just helps her like find herself more in her identity. But it's just this piece of how her family also lovingly and without question just 
embraces her and and loves her for all of who she is so uh that's another one there's so many great books in here there's so many books and you all listen this has been such an amazing conversation it has been long overdue because (laughs) for for me for you I'm I just it's been just impactful it's been I always say fruitful like it's just been so great um where can our folks find you where can the chit chatters find you online and connect with you yeah so you can connect um on instagram it's uh at rohi's readery r-o-h-i-s-r-e-a-d-e-r-y um there's also the website www.rohi'sreadery.com um feel free uh if you subscribe it'll also send me an email if you have any questions or thoughts i'm happy to respond it takes me like three to five days because i'm running everything by myself. <laughs> you're, you're like three um, to five business days yeah, but i'll get back to you <laughs> but I'll be there. um yeah so i don't have any employees <laughs> so grateful though for my volunteers but um, so that's another way. And then obviously coming to the readery, we're located in Rosemary Square, right across the street from the Cheesecake Factory at the corner. Um, you can't miss us. We always have little lawn chairs for our sweet little ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always have an anchor chart out with some real knowledge. Uh, so either it'll it'll bring you in or for some it, it quite your way. way. <laughs> but we're here to share the truth. So <laughs> Weird to teach that CRT when it's not in the school. When it's not in school. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it right there. So those are the spaces that you can find me. Amazing. So Pranu, thank you so much. I feel so grateful and blessed and thankful that you are here with us today. Um, the episode will be out y'all chit chat Conacera podcast. You can get all of the episode links at heyalicia.com backslash podcast. Again, we are on anchor Spotify, you know, Apple podcast, Google podcast, wherever you listen to, wherever you listen to your podcast, uh, we are there. Um, you can also follow me at Hey Alicia Hey on all social media platforms. I'm always reposting really great things in that are going on in South Florida, particularly um, in Palm Beach, as an example, in West Palm Beach. And that's where Rohi's Readery is. So thank you so much to everyone. We can't wait to talk to you next time. We have some really amazing guests coming up for the remainder of season, remainder of season three. Words are hard, but uh, <laughs> but thank you so much, Panu. You have an amazing night, everyone. Chat soon. Bye-bye. Bye. For more information on Chit Chat Connoisseur Podcast, check out heyalicia.com slash podcast. See you soon.